This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, December 15th, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. Today is Bill of Rights Day, a day to mark those rights enumerated and those unenumerated in the first 10 amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Tim Lynch is director of the Cato Institute's Project on Criminal Justice. Well, a lot of people think that the Constitution was uh, unanimously agreed to, and people who study history know that the Constitution, when it was originally proposed, was a controversial document, whether we should move away from the Articles of Confederation towards a new government. And so it was hotly contested. Uh, there was uh, the ratifying conventions um, were, were big disputes. You know, we had a lot of people like Patrick Henry uh, and Richard Henry Lee, people who were the American revolutionaries uh, opposing the ratification of the Constitution. So it was hotly contested, and one of the points or criticisms made against the original Constitution was that it contained no Bill of Rights. So when they were arguing and debating over the ratification of the Constitution, a lot of the anti-federalists insisted upon a Bill of Rights. So what happened was the Constitution was ratified, but then one of the first things that the new Congress had to um, do was to amend the Constitution to uh, include a Bill of Rights, because this was like one of the conditions that a lot of the states insisted upon. They were going to ratify the Constitution on the condition that a Bill of Rights be amended or added to the Constitution. So we, uh, we actually got the Bill of Rights two years after the original Constitution went into effect, and that's why um, we're marking that day this weekend. December 15th is when the 10 uh, amendments to the Constitution uh, were ratified and became operative. Where does the Bill of Rights stand today in terms of a recognition by the public, a recognition by members of government in what those uh, rights signify? Well, the Bill of Rights has, uh, it is probably the most popular part of the Constitution. A lot of the, uh, uh, if you read the Constitution from beginning to end, there's a lot of uh, dry material in the middle. But a lot of Americans are familiar with uh, the protections that are contained in the Bill of Rights. The Congress shall, you know, pass no law abridging freedom of speech, uh, jury trials, Fourth Amendment, these types of things. So most members of the public are aware of uh, the protections set forth in the Bill of Rights. Unfortunately, however, if you want to um, run down the list to see where these protections stand in our law right now, unfortunately, the Bill of Rights is in pretty poor shape when you look at what the government is actually doing. The Tenth Amendment is the most prominent example of that. This is something we talk a lot about here at the Cato Institute because the federal government was supposed to be limited to a specific set of powers set forth in Article One, Section 8. And then the Tenth Amendment came along kind of to emphasize that point. It says that the powers that are not delegated to the federal government are to be reserved to the states or to the people. And unfortunately, over the years, Congress has just come to to disregard this central aspect of the Constitution. They pass laws on everything under the sun. They try to get involved in the schooling of our kids. They are not only want to get involved in schooling here in the United States, they want to build schools in Africa. They want to fight drugs and give money away to uh, Latin American countries to fight the drug wars. And they get involved in every little aspect of our lives, including funding programs for marriage counseling. All of this stuff would have shocked the founders. They thought that the you know they reserved just a specific set of powers uh, for the federal government. And unfortunately today, this is, this is just totally ignored by members of Congress. Well, on the plus side, with regard to the Tenth Amendment, though, the Tenth Amendment seems to be, seems to uh, lay out 
uh, authority that must be asserted by states or people. There are some states that have attempted to assert that authority by passing various laws which conflict directly with federal law and have been fairly upfront in trying to fight the federal government to uh, assert their authority. There have been these battles where the states have tried to uh, assert their uh, authority, and so these battles will continue. And that's another important uh, aspect, I think, that people need to understand about the Bill of Rights, is that uh, the framers didn't expect once the Bill of Rights was uh, ratified that that would be the end and that the government would respect uh, all these protections. They were very fully aware that the natural tendency of government is to grow and to try to expand its power. And uh, so a lot of people at the time of the founding and the, the ratification debates, they would sometimes refer to Bill of Rights as parchment barriers, what we would call today paper tiger. They would say it's just a parchment barrier. Uh, and the response to that was that, well, yes, you know, governments do run roughshod over these things from time to time, but it's better than having nothing at all. So we're constantly having to fight these battles, whether it's free speech, whether it's uh, government uh, searching of our homes without warrants. We have to fight these battles over and over again. There are some who decry this idea of judicial activism, but it would seem that if you read closely the Ninth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, it almost demands a certain kind of activism for judges to decide what rights simply exist and which don't. That's right. Uh, the Ninth Amendment to the Constitution says that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights should not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. The basic point of this was just because we're enumerating the right to free speech or uh, the right to freedom of religion, that doesn't mean other people, the people do not retain other rights. So um, the idea that uh, the government can, you know, restrict our other rights just because they're not specifically set forth in the Bill of Rights. The Ninth Amendment was put in place to make it absolutely clear that uh, people retain other rights. The framers would have said it would have been ridiculous. We would have had to go on and on for hundreds of pages to list all the rights that people have. So the Ninth Amendment was just to put that in place to, to as a reminder to legislators and government officials that uh, they could not just pass legislation uh, on whatever they thought would, would be a good idea. So you're absolutely right, that it's the responsibility of judges also when uh, legislators step over the line to impinge on people's rights, they should step in there and, and invalidate these things as violating the rights of the people. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court is getting set to hear a case that will help potentially redefine our understanding of the Second Amendment, and the Cato Institute has had a, a fairly strong hand in uh, sort of assisting that case along. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is going to be a major case involving the Second Amendment to the Constitution, where uh, plaintiffs are challenging the constitutionality of gun control restrictions here in the District of Columbia. It's a perfect example of how the Second Amendment works in in combination with the Ninth Amendment, uh, the right of people to defend themselves. There isn't more a basic right than the right of self-defense. And yet here we have government officials here in the District of Columbia criminalizing that right, saying that if you use a gun to defend yourself or your family in your own home, we can send you to jail for that. So it's a blatant... Uh, 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 violation of the Second Amendment and the Ninth Amendment uh, to have these laws on the books. And uh, and it's another example of how these battles are fought over and over again. This is an example where uh, the Supreme Court is going to step in, I think, with a landmark precedent, kind of breathing new life into the Second Amendment and reminding legislators, not only here in the district, but across the country, uh, that people have the right to self-defense, they have the right to keep and bear arms. Now, the Cato Institute produces a very small 
nice uh, version of the Constitution that sort of pops up in some strange places. You see Robert Byrd uh, waving it on the floor of the Senate. Sometimes uh, I recently saw Dennis Kucinich holding it up on television. Yes, it's it's funny sometimes the places and people who who turn up on television waving a, a copy of the Cato Constitution. And this is this is one of the things that we're uh, constantly um, battling against is that uh, one of the problems is that people selectively invoke the Constitution rather than taking a principled stand on these issues. So we'll have legislators when it suits their convenience, they will bring out the Constitution, you know, in support of their cause. And one of the things that we're constantly trying uh, to to strive for here at Cato is to get people to take a more principled approach to these issues. We shouldn't have liberals uh, stressing the First Amendment to the Constitution for free speech and the Fourth Amendment's protection against unreasonable searches, and then the conservatives stressing the Second Amendment to the Constitution, the right to keep and bear arms, and uh, the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution on federalism. Cato is one of the few organizations in Washington that stresses all of these protections across the line, and that's what we, we need to get back to, is taking a principled approach to all of these issues across the board. Tim Lynch is director of the Cato Institute's Project on Criminal Justice. The Cato Constitution has been handed out more than three million times. You can get your own copy at our website, cato.org.